Welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest-running hiking podcast downloaded over three-quarters of a million times in over 160 countries and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage, coming to you from Ewan Country. This is episode 257 of the Australian Hiker Podcast, and in this week's episode, we discuss the newly opened Murramurang South Coast Walk. Before we get into today's episode, if you'd like to help support Australian Hiker and this podcast, there are a couple of ways that you can help us out. Firstly, by subscribing on your podcast host of choice so that each episode is available as soon as it's published. And if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review. Another way to support us is go to the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the supporters page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue producing this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. Living in Canberra, I have a strong connection to the New South Wales South Coast. And since my late teens, I've spent a lot of weekends walking along this part of the coastline as well as spending a lot of time both on and under the water in this area. So while there was no end of shorter walks available on this part of the coastline, the newly opened 35-kilometre Murramurang South Coast walking track was one that just resonated with me, and we couldn't wait to check it out ourselves and to see what sort of experience it would provide as a multi-day walk. In the first half of this podcast episode, we catch up with Tom Pinzone from the New South Wales National Parks and Wildlife Service, to get an introduction to this newly created walk. In the second half of this episode, we bring you a series of on-trail recordings from our recent trip and what we thought as we progressed along the track. So let's find out more about this walk. So Tom, thanks for taking the time to chat with Australian Hiker about this new New South Wales South Coast hiking opportunity. Thanks, Tim. I'm talking today from Wadi Wadi Country um, on the South Coast. It's great to be able to talk to you and your listeners and share my experience and passion for this amazing walk. Before we discuss the newly opened Murramurang South Coast Walk, can you give us a bit of a brief introduction to yourself, your role in New South Wales Parks and Wildlife Service, and your connection with this trail? Yeah, I've been working with New South Wales National Parks on and off for 13 years. I began in the resorts team of Kosciuszko National Park before making the move to the South Coast. Um, my role is a senior project officer. Um, I have a background uh, in environmental engineering and environmental science. Uh, my day-to-day work is focused on busy infrastructure projects. Uh, I, I work with designers, environmental experts and, uh, and the Aboriginal community um, to deliver the projects, also manage construction teams out in the field. All right, so we, were you actively involved in the, in the design and construction process for this new trail? Yeah, so for this trail, yeah, I've been involved um, in this project since 2018. I spent, uh, we spent the first few years in design development and assessment before moving into construction early in 2022. Uh, so yeah, it's been it's been a long time sort of getting to this point and uh, quite a bit of work has gone into it. Now, give us a bit of background on this new trail, particularly in relation to the logistics. Yeah, so if doing it as a multi-day walk, the total distance is around 34 kilometres and it's split over three days. So the distance of each day is dependent on whether you're doing the cabin or the camping package. So all walkers start day one at Pretty Beach and head south to Depot Beach. And distance for day one is around 10 kilometres. People staying in cabins 
walk around eight kilometres on day two, finishing at Maramarang Resort, which is at South Doris. People who are camping continue walking another uh, eight kilometres south to a newly built um, campground at Oakey Beach. Uh, day three takes people to Maloney's Beach, which is within Batemans Bay. So it's 16 kilometres for people um, doing the cabin package and a nice uh, easy eight kilometres for people who camped at Oakey Beach. You said walkers start at, is it Pebbly Beach? At Pretty Beach. At Pretty yeah. Beach, yep. Now, is, yeah. I noticed looking on the website uh, at the little um, video graphic of the trail itself that you, you're starting from the north and working south. Is that the way the trail is designed or is there anything stopping people deciding they'll start south and work their way north? Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, so we've sort of discussed the multi-day aspects of the walk, but the walk itself has been designed as a choose-your-own-adventure. So visitors can undertake the walk in any direction or in any way they like. Uh, the walk itself is free. It's, you know, you can go out there at any time and jump onto any section of the walk. Um, it is possible to do short there and back walks. You can walk full sections using car shuffles or, you know, arranging transport. Uh, it's even possible to combine other walks or management trails to complete some nice loop walks. So, yeah, definitely um, possible to do it as a south-north walk. And, um, yeah, starting at Maloney's, yeah, there's some at Maloney's Beach, which is the southern trailhead. There's some really nice uh, options that head north uh, as, day, as, as short day trips or even uh, as a multi-day walk if you wanted to do it that way. Now, what's, what's the terrain like on this part of the coast? Yeah, walkers will experience a variety of terrain. Most of the track is natural surface with sandstone stairs. Uh, we, we've also done some short sections of boardwalk. Um, and there are also many sections where we've utilised rock platforms and beaches. Okay. And, uh, and I suppose the logical question is why this part of the coast? How did the New South Wales Parks and Wildlife Service decide they were going to do a multi-day walk uh, you know, just north of Batemans Bay? Why this part of the coast? Well, the idea of a multi-day walk has been floating around for a while for this area. Um, a connected coastal track is uh, discussed in the plan of management for the park, which was written over 20 years ago. So it's something that's been talked about and done a lot, and people were already doing a version of this walk uh, utilising some of the existing tracks and some old uh, management trails that were, were there. So it's something that's already you know, leading up to this project has been a popular experience for people visiting um, this part of the south coast. Now, you mentioned the uh, parks here. Is the entire walk located within National Park or does it dip in and out of parks and, and go into private land or, or, or non-park coast land? Yeah, so none of the track goes onto private land. Uh, the, the entire track is on some sort of reserve or public land. Uh, so, yeah, the majority of the walk is on Murray National Park. Yep. There is a section uh, in the middle where we where walkers will go on to uh, the beach at Durris, which is partly Crown land and is adjacent to the Batemans Marine Park. So, yeah, it's all on a reserve of some sort and yep. mostly fully fully contained within Murray National Park. Okay, now, how did you choose the route for this this particular walk? I, I must admit, I've spent a lot of time in this area and I've done a lot of the, the shorter day walks. Was this a, a matter of just connecting a series of pre-existing walks or did you need to um, uh, build some new track to, to do the final connection? The project was initially developed with the assistance of local bushwalking clubs uh, who helped with some of the early alignments. And they're probably some of the 
tracks that you've done previously if you visited the area. Uh, we then spent quite a bit of time walking and testing various alignments that best used the existing tracks, minimised our environmental impacts and avoided any safety issues. We also engaged with the local Aboriginal community to ensure the walk was developed in a way that did not impact any uh, like significant cultural places. Murrumbering National Park was heavily impacted by the Curran fire in the summer of 2019-20. I'm sure we all remember those yep. days. Uh, nearly the entire park north of Darris was burnt, including all the existing tracks and all the proposed new track alignments. So we spent most of 2020 out there rescoping the alignment and inspecting all the existing tracks for repair. Um, the final alignment includes just over 11 kilometres of new track, um, with the remaining either existing tracks that have been repaired following the fires, plus rock platforms and beaches. Okay. I mean, I, I, I must admit I'm, I'm planning on doing this walk this weekend and I'm looking forward to it because the last time I walked in this area was pre, just pre-fire. So I'm, I'm expecting to uh, see a familiar but very different landscape to what I was used to a few years ago. Is most of the walk uh, on hugging the coastline or are there sections that go inland as well? Yeah, so in developing the alignment, we were really mindful to provide a range of experiences for walkers. So, yes, uh, it is a coastal walk and you will get to experience some incredible coastal landscapes, but there are many sections that take people inland to experience a range of ecological communities. Um, they include coastal rainforests, so there's some incredible um, coastal rainforests uh, on day one, you know, the section south of Pretty Beach. You go into embayed areas and you know, behind beaches where there's some amazing yeah, coastal rainforests. You'll also experience Bangalore sand forests as you head further south, um, further south of Darras. Uh, swamp, swamp oak forests, where you're probably going to see some sort of black, some black cockatoos and other birds, which, you know, they love these type of ecosystems. Um, and then, of course, the stunning spotted gum and burrowing open forests. And these are the classic sort of forests that Murray National Park and, and this part of the south coast is known for. Okay. Now, what were the uh, – you were saying that there was some, obviously a lot of damage done during the, uh, the fires from a few years ago, but what challenges did you come across in creating and building this walk? Were there any, any environmental or any other challenges that presented themselves? Yeah, so the walk was established over a challenging time for project work. So, yeah, I've mentioned the bushfires. You know, we then had the COVID pandemic and then very wet weather during the construction period to contend with. So it's been a pretty challenging project to get to this point. Yeah, so that we had the first, we had the initial alignment. And then, yeah, as I said before, we, we spent a lot of time going back out in the field, particularly after the fires, to uh, to refine the, the, the alignment that, you know, the best minimised our impacts and best used the existing track. There are sections where we've elevated the track on boardwalk and that's for various uh, constraints and to avoid environmental impacts, particularly to some of the heathland areas. And that's the first bit of track you encounter south of Pretty Beach is a significant part of uh, coastal heath and uh, we've elevated the track there. It's really slow growing and it's you know, slow recovery after the fires. Uh, probably the most challenging part of the construction was the helicopter operations that were undertaken. And these were done to deliver all the materials out to the work locations in the field. So a huge amount of planning went into this task. Each load was packaged and weighed and detailed maps prepared to show the delivery locations out in the bush. 
Throughout the construction, over 250 loads of material were safely dropped into the park, uh, with waste material being flown out on the return flights. Okay, yeah, it's always it seems to be the standard these days where uh, um, you know if you can't get a vehicle in there or you're going to do more damage than than anything else, helicopters. Uh, while I'm sure they're not cheap, uh, are a, a very convenient and uh, and very specific drop off when you can sort of, as you say, just drop bundles of gear as you're going along the way. What sort of experience can hikers expect in this in doing this trail? And 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 I suppose as part of that, what are the options for walking? Uh, and what sort of wildlife can we expect along this trail? Yeah, so I've talked about the multi-day options and sort of briefly mentioned that, yeah, it is a it is a choose-your-own-adventure walk. So, yeah, feel free to get out there and just uh, experience any section of the walk that you like the look of. I know there's people already who are sort of setting up a base camp somewhere or getting, uh, you know, short-stay accommodation and, and organising car shuffles as, as groups and doing the walk that way. So, yeah, there's lots of different ways to do the walk. You know, national parks, you know, we have our own packages available, but, yeah, there's many different ways to do it. Getting the look and feel of the walk right was incredibly important. We didn't want to create an overly landscaped experience. So the track has been designed to weave through the environment and follow contours and gently climbs for elevation changes. Underfoot, the track has been built to appear and feel as natural as possible. We wanted to keep people engaged and present and connected with the experience to get a mental and physical break from day-to-day life. In some places, the track winds through the sandstone bedrock so as to blend and appear as though it's been there forever. Um, the sandstone steps are a vital element of this. All the steps were rough cut with the blade marks left in place. Equally important was the design of the steps, which have been carefully placed to feel natural and easy to walk. You mentioned yeah. uh, cockatoos before. But what else What else can we expect along this part of the coast? Yeah, wildlife you like to see, uh, very cute eastern grey kangaroos. Murramurang National Park is, is known for um, eastern grey kangaroos and that's the... You know, you'll see that on the totem when you're walking. You also see it at the trailheads, Pretty Beach and Maloney's Beach. Other things you see are probably some goannas. And they'll probably scare you at some point, running out of your way and climbing a tree. Um, echidnas, diamond pythons, possibly a quick glimpse of a swamp wallaby, sea eagles, and lots of smaller forests and heathland birds. Uh, on the coastal sections, also keep an eye out for seals, dolphins, and whales. Now, one question yep. you just raised through there, is there a, what are the trail markers like on this? Is, is there, there you know, <laughs> regular trail markers along the trail or at, at key points? Yeah, so we were, yeah, I mean, getting back to the other point, we really wanted to get people out of their day-to-day life and, you know, fully uh, immersed in the environment of, for this walk. So we've tried to minimise our use of signs or any other, you know, track features that are, that are there. So you will. There are there are totems pretty regularly along the track, but mostly they're around where there's a decision point or, or or to provide assurance that you're on the right track. There are signs at trailheads, car parks, and other and other places, but mostly we've just tried to design the track in a way that people can just follow it quite easily. Now, from a safety perspective, what are what are some of the safety issues people need to know about when doing this walk? Yeah, so all the safety information relating to this walk is available on our website. So just go to the New South Wales National Parks website and search for the Murmuring South Coast Walk. Uh, people can lodge a troop intention form using the parks website as well. Uh, being in a national park and at times in remote areas, there are definitely some safety aspects to be aware of. Generally, we would recommend that all walkers carry a personal location beacon that can be activated in case of an emergency. 
I personally use a satellite monitoring device with back-to-base notifications for scoping the walk, which is a great option. Out on the track, there are some very large and exposed cliffs and unstable geology, but generally, if you stay on the track, you'll be pretty safe. There are some specific hazards we should discuss. During high tides or large surf conditions, some of the rock platforms can be hazardous. So please, please be mindful of that and check the conditions. These are mostly between Pretty Beach and Depot Beach. And for these sections of track, there are inland alternatives that can be taken. Uh, the walk also crosses the mouth of Darris Lake, which is an intermittently closed and open lagoon. These are fairly common features across New South Wales, and anyone who's done some coastal walking has probably come across them before. During dry conditions, the lake is generally closed. But when we have extended periods of wet weather, combined with large surf, the lake can be open to the ocean. At these times, walkers will probably need to get their feet wet to cross, and we recommend checking the tides and timing the crossing for low tide. Yep. If you aren't up for this, um, yeah, if you're not up for this, you can arrange, arrange portage with a kayak, uh, via kayak, and again, check our website on how to arrange this. Okay, so at the moment, it's the end of May 2023. Weather conditions aside, is the um, the inlet closed at the moment, or is it open to the to the ocean as far as you're aware? So yeah, so the inlet is currently open. Uh, we've had quite a few large uh, surf events the last few weeks, so it, it is open. Um, it's crossable at the moment. The, the feedback we're having is that it is crossable, although people are choosing to take that kayak option. Yeah. Uh, not not everyone is uh, comfortable, you know, in a coastal environment, and you know, and those people are taking the kayak option. Uh, I would recommend just dropping into, a, you know, if you're not doing one of the the guided or the um, national parks experiences, uh, I'd still recommend dropping into one of our offices at Pretty Beach or Depot Beach and having a chat to our friendly local staff, uh, you know, give you an update on current conditions and go through all the safety aspects of the walk. Okay, that's great. Now, one final question. The trail was officially opened on the 28th of April 2023. What feedback have you received from hikers who have walked this trail so far? Yeah, overall, the feedback we've received to date has been very positive. So comments that we're getting around the, you know, the great range of um, ecosystems you know, that the walk takes in, the alignment and, and the way that the track's been designed and quite a few comments on the sandstone steps and, you know, how they look nice and organic. We've also got some great feedback on the campsites, particularly Oakey Beach, where walkers spend their last night in a secluded section of the park on tent platforms. These were built by uh, local Ewan carpenters and they're really well done. Uh, walkers can pitch their tents level, elevated off the ground, providing a beautiful breezy outlook amongst the spotted gums and burrowings. Uh, I was out on the trail earlier this week, met some people who were just finishing up and they'd had a really, they'd really enjoyed the experience. I've talked to a few people that have, that have done it even prior to the official opening that has walked, walked, walked along the, the coastline and they, they said it was quite a good little track. So uh, as I said, I'm definitely looking forward to getting out on trail this weekend. We've been talking with Tom Pinzone, Senior Project Officer for the New South Wales Parks and Wildlife Service, about the newly opened Murramurang South Coast Walk. Tom, thanks for taking your time to talk with us about this wonderful new trail. Thanks, Tim. It's been, it's been great. And I'm really excited to, to hear about people getting out there and you know, getting to experience this amazing new walk.
Before you listen to the next section of our on-trail recordings, I'd recommend that you open up the write-up of this trail on the Australian Hiker website and follow along with the images, uh, which will help make a bit more sense of what we're talking about. This first recording starts on Saturday the 27th of May 2023 at the trailhead, just before I start walking south. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. It is Saturday the 27th of May 2023 and we're just here at the trailhead uh, for the Maramarang South Coast Walk uh, and I don't know if you can hear the surf in the background but uh, it's actually quite a pleasant day as far as relatively flat sea conditions. There's a bit of surf rolling in but not too much. It is a bit cool. Uh, when we got up probably about an hour or so ago, uh, it was about two degrees, feels like minus one. Now it's nine degrees, feels like six. But I don't think that is actually the case. It feels a lot colder than that. Yeah, I don't think uh, feels like six quite makes it, and I'm pretty sure it's not nine degrees. Um, it's a, going to be a beautiful day, though. Uh, we don't have any clouds. Um, there's a little bit of burning off uh, ha- happening in the sky. But other than that, and as Tim says, you know, the seas are quite flat. But it is interesting because we're looking down at one of the rock platforms um, and it is um, reasonably low tide at the moment. Um, But, uh, yeah, you you would want to check the tide charts because you wouldn't want to do this, or at least start at this point, um, with high tide because it does come in over, over the rock platform. Okay, so this next section of the podcast is going to be a series of recordings that we make on today and tomorrow, with the plan being to do this walk in two days. Um, It is very much a choose-your-own-adventure, so I originally was looking at doing this as a one-day walk, but my fitness is not good enough to do 35Ks in a single day at the moment. Uh, So uh, as we go through, I'll do a series of recordings. Jill's actually dropped me off. She's going to return back to Maramarang Resort uh, and uh, start walking northwards towards me uh, and I'll meet her up with her sometime during the daytime. Uh, It was just the easiest way to go in relation to uh, car shuffling, but there are alternatives and we'll talk about the details and what the options are for this walk uh, after this series of recordings when we do do the final overview and talk about hints and tips to make this walk a bit easier. Yeah, so the things to look out for today and tomorrow um, are the um, the forest that we walk through and already kangaroos and birds everywhere. So you can hear the birds in the background. We were greeted um, just now by some kangaroos and uh, that's expected to continue. Okay, we will head off. I've been going for about an hour and 20 minutes at the moment. Started at uh, just on 7.45 this morning and I've covered just on 4.47 kilometres. So I know it's only been a, a short time into the walk, but based on that I'll finish sometime between five and a half and six hours. The walk's been quite pleasant at the moment. I mean, it's, it's sunny. Uh, I took my coat off uh, probably about an hour ago. Uh, it was getting a bit warm, so I've just got the, the single long sleeve top on now. I think the forecast for today is about 17 degrees, so it's, it'll be quite pleasant, particularly given there's, uh, you know, there's a tiny bit of breeze without being windy. Uh, and I'm sitting here now 
just getting ready to go up a set of stairs and I've got the ocean probably around about 60 metres in front of me which you can probably hear with the waves rolling in on the rock platforms. Um, for the last probably 40 minutes I've been walking inland. I've just come out onto this rocky beach here at the moment uh, whereas the first part of the walk was pretty much mainly on beach uh, and rock platforms. And the trail diverges off the rocks when there's inlets which you can't pass even at low tide. So if it's, um, if it's reasonably good conditions, I think I could walk along this rock platform here, but I'm just about to go back up off the beach to, uh, because I'm thinking in the next section of headland, uh, I won't be able to get around because it's too wet. Um, the trail is fairly good condition. Um, I mean, it hasn't been raining for a while, and it, it is a new trail, so there's no really muddy sort of patches. There's these, the lovely sandstone blocks and stairs where required, and a few sections of metal mesh uh, here and there where it needs. Uh, vegetation has changed slightly. It was very much coastal. I'd probably class it as heathland. Uh, and then I, when I went in, inland slightly, I was getting into a eucalypt forest. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a lovely walk. It really is so far. So you know, if it stays like this, be really happy with it. It'd be really, really good as a, as a short multi-day walk. Okay, I'm going to have a bit of a snack and then head off. It's 12.53. We're here at North Durris, having just crossed the inlet, and we're just letting, our, uh, letting ourselves dry off a bit, have some lunch, and then we'll finish off our walk for the day. Uh, I've covered, since the start of Pretty Beach, uh, around about 15 kilometres approximately, uh, so we've got about two and a half to three kilometres to go to Maramaring Resort, which is where we stayed last night and where we'll be staying again tonight. Um, hill on the headland coming down onto Darris Beach is probably the steepest of the whole trail, at least so far. Jill came, uh, walked up the beach, crossed the inlet already this morning and met me pretty much on almost on top of the hill uh, and then turned around and came back down and from my perspective that section there heading up to the top was by far the steepest I've had all day because mainly uh, the trail itself is a gradual incline nothing really steep yeah, so um, crossed the inlet and uh, was drying off at the bottom of the steps and thought, oh, well, I'll just wait here for a little while. And I did. Um, and then I thought, oh, well, I'll just go up. But I was definitely puffing um, on my way up. Um, and I, I think uh, Tim wasn't quite expecting to see me. He looked a bit surprised, thought I was just a stranger who was saying hello in a very affectionate way. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's still a beautiful day, um, very warm, and uh, yeah, it's uh, a few more kilometres to go. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a beautiful place, a beautiful part of the world. I think with this inlet crossing, this is the thing that sort of concerned me for this whole trip. I wasn't too sure what it was like. Uh, in talking to Tom Pinzone uh, uh, before the on-trail uh, component of this podcast episode. He said that uh, someone who did this about a month ago had about chest depth, depth in water, but they had had a lot of rain beforehand. When we crossed, it was pretty much on high tide. Um, I'm six foot two, about 185, 186 centimetres, and uh, I got to about waist depth water. 
uh, and that was only in one section, uh, which was the section closest to the southern side of the trail. Yeah, so um, I got waist deep as well, right at the edge, so on the southern edge. Um, so we obviously crossed in a slightly different spot because otherwise I think I would have been, you know, chest deep um, if I'd taken Tim's route. Um, look, I think the thing is you're going to get wet. Um, you might get, you know, wet to your knees. Um, you might get wet to your waist, um, but expect to be wet. Both times I stripped off uh, down to my underpants. Probably lucky I've got underpants that don't quite look like underpants. Uh, thank you, icebreaker. But, um, yeah, I think just, you know, either stay clothed, get wet or strip off and, um, you know, it won't be too much of a hassle. Um, there aren't a huge number of people around, so, you know, it's, it's uh, not too embarrassing. There was another group of five hikers that came through and they were going to cross roughly where we crossed and then change their minds and cross further inland. But again, they still ended up getting wet anyway. So really it's, it's, it's pretty much the same, uh, but it's a matter of how much um, wave impact you want. And certainly the closer to the ocean, the more the wave impact is. Yeah, and the sand is very, very, very soft. So it does sink from underneath you. And, and there are kind of... Um, deep pockets and little eddies but you know um if if you look into the water it's very clear you can actually see them and you can actually see um where the water's dipping down into a little uh, deep spot so um kind of running a little bit faster so yeah we used our um walking poles i probably wouldn't have done it without the walking poles um, because of the the sand giving away underfoot um but yeah just expect to get wet i think and we've got some videos of that, so if you have a look at the, the write-up of this uh, this uh, uh, trail, uh, you'll see as part of the little trail video, uh, there's a write-up of both Jill and I crossing from different sides. I think you need to do some photoshopping on those videos <laughs> if we're wearing our underpants, Tim. <laughs> OK, we'll have a bit of a break and continue on for the last probably hour and a bit uh, back where we're going and we can see it from here but it's pretty much all, almost all, not, not quite, uh, beach walk all the way back. It's 20 past two on Saturday, day one of our trip on the Murramurang South Coast walking track. And we've finished for the day after I've covered 18 kilometres from Pretty Beach uh, through to Murramurang Resort. Yeah, so it was a lovely day um, and uh, Tim was pretty tired by the time I caught up with him. Um, but uh, yeah, lot, lots of uh, beach uh, walking uh, late in the day so um, that was I guess pretty taxing on legs um, but yeah it's, it's it's a really 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 nice walk you get everything okay that's all for today's uh, journey uh, we'll start back up again at seven o'clock in the morning uh, and in my case basically I pretty much walk out the door of the cabin we're staying in uh, walk over to the trail and continue on from there while Jill actually drops the car off at Maloney's Beach, which is our end point, and she'll start walking towards me. Yeah, so looking forward to, to tomorrow. Um, there's a lot of uh, parts of the coastline that I haven't seen before. So, yeah, they'd be quite nice to be able to walk through them. Okay, talk to you later on.
Good morning. It's Sunday the 28th of March 2023, day two on my Maramarang South Coast walk. And I've just stopped to do this recording. I'm sitting right on the edge of the trail, found a log that's suitable to sit on. And I'm looking down towards the beach and the water. And the water is probably about 90 metres away from where I am at the moment. I really do love this part of the, the south coast. I'm sitting in a really big, uh, dense eucalypt forest, all these tall trunks uh, with the foliage up above. The area I'm sitting at the moment is fairly sparse, but not far behind is a big grove of the macrosamias. And looking down towards the beach, lovely sandy sort of beach, flat water, uh, clear water. And I think this is the sort of walk that if you did this over three days, you could just stop and take a swim, go fishing, just lie on the beach and just laze away. So if you're not focused on walking and, and knocking it off in two days, three days will be a good option for that. Having said that, this is the New South Wales South Coast, and I don't know what last night's temperatures was were, but the night before we had about 1.5 degrees, feels like 0.5, or minus 0.5 degrees. Uh, so during summertime, would be really spectacular, you know, and as I said, the water would be lovely. One comment I'd make is I think there's probably a, a lack of signage in a couple of areas. There's been a couple of times this morning where I haven't been 100% sure where, which way I should go, and I've got out the app, and, it, and it's, you know, it's pointed me in the right direction, and I think you really do need the app to uh, make sure you're heading where you're supposed to be going. Worst case, I don't think you're going to get lost, but you might end up taking another trail and continuing on the right way, but not actually picking up on the trail itself. So a couple of more directional signs would be nice, uh, but otherwise failing out, the app, which is recommended by New South Wales Parks, does the job quite well. Uh, it just means you really do need to have the app to do this walk successfully, I think. It is warmish. Um, you know, we are getting into winter. Winter's not far away. It's only a couple of days. Uh, but really lovely. Unless something goes horribly wrong in the next uh, 12 kilometres, I've done about two kilometres so far this morning, I think this is going to end up in our top 10 of walks. It is such a lovely walk. Okay, talk to you later. It's 11 o'clock. We're here at the Oakey Beach campsite, which is just a little way off track. So you come in onto Oakey Beach if you're heading south, uh, walk along Oakey Beach for a short distance, and then back into the bushland again, and you continue on if you're heading towards Maloney's Beach. Uh, otherwise, you come off track slightly, come up to the car park area and turn right, uh, and that's where the main walk-in camping site is. Uh, so there's a shelter here with a couple of tables, large flat tables, and then there's some big platforms which would comfortably fit two tents on each platform if you were, um, if you had a, bit, a couple of people in the group or um, you'd have a lot of space with one person. Yeah, it's an absolutely lovely spot here and um, lots of tall trees and um, very shaded, so it'd be a great spot during um, the summer months just off the beach. And um, I think, you know, if you are going to do this over a few extra days than uh, we've, we've done it, this is definitely one of the spots that you need to spend some time at. 
I think, however, having said that, I mean, I've done roughly nine kilometres from Murramurang, uh, and Jill's done roughly um, seven kilometres coming, seven and a half coming the other way. So, you know, whether whether that's too short, but it, it's it, it is an ideal sort of spot because the next campsite further along is probably, you know, you think, okay, if I'm going to going to camp again, you might as well head head straight to Murramurang because you're pretty much halfway, or you're over halfway here by this sort of stage. Lovely campsite though. Uh, there is a toilet facility here, and there's some people down there. I can see at the moment in the car park, they've got their tents set up as well. So, um, yeah, lovely little spot, and the walk has, has continued to be good uh, as far as uh, as has continued on. And just on the the uh, car campers, um, they are away. You can see them, but they're away from the hiking campsite. So you know you've got a little bit of. Uh, shelter and um, you know lots lots of opportunities with those tent platforms which are just really fantastic okay off we go it's 1.30 and we've just finished our walk on the Murramurang South Coast walking track and we got to do the final piece which was a staircase with 113 stairs I believe and Jill actually came up that this morning and I'm glad I didn't have to actually do that yeah, it was a little bit of a heart attack moment, let me tell you. I had to stand at the top and catch my breath. Um, but uh, that's basically as soon as you step off the um, the paved area um, at uh, Maloney's Beach, um, you step onto those steps. So, yeah, that would definitely make me think about going south-north uh, rather than north-south. Which is the recommendation on this walk, although you can do either way. Okay, that's it for the on-trail recordings. In this next section, Jill and I will talk about how we found the walk overall and make some recommendations on how to get the best out of it. The series of recordings that you just listened to were recorded over the two days that we went through and did our journey on the Maramarang South Coast Walk. This walk is designed as a three-day walk, starting at the northern trailhead at Pretty Beach and finishing at the southern trailhead at Maloney's Beach, just on the other side of Batemans Bay. This trail is very much a choose-your-own-adventure trail. There is nothing stopping you from heading in either direction, north-south or south-north. There's nothing stopping you from taking four days, providing you can sort accommodation out. Uh, There's nothing stopping you from doing this trail in one day. Uh, But it really depends on how you want to do this trail, whether you want to add some additional side trails onto it, or whether you just want to stick to the designated trail itself, which is what we did. Now, in my case, as you would have heard listening to the podcast recordings, I started at uh, Pretty Beach and made my way south, which is the traditional uh, method for want of a better term but instead of taking three days we chose to do this in two days an 18 kilometer day on the Saturday and a 16 kilometer day on a Sunday now part of the reason for us doing this was we had to travel approximately 150 kilometers from home to uh, the start of the trailhead and we didn't want to bring two cars with us and we don't know anyone in the local area Now, there are shuttle services that will take you off and drop you off, Uh, but for us, we just decided it was easier to take one car and do the strange thing that we often do where Jill dropped me off at the Northern Trailhead. She drove back to our accommodation for our 
previous night and our and the and the night for Saturday, and then started walking north to meet me somewhere in the middle. This means I get to do the whole trail from north to south, where Jill gets to do uh, the southern section of each day uh, twice, twice <laughs> in different directions. But the good thing about that is that you do get a feel and um, a, an opportunity to judge whether whether or not the direction that's the recommended direction or the other direction is better. And I think the thing that I concluded on this trip was that going north to south is definitely better. I think the views are better. It, it just feels a little bit different going north to south rather than going south to north. And I think Jill discovered this just after she'd done the biggest ascent of the whole trail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, which is coming off the, be- yeah, coming off the beach uh, uh, at North Durris there, heading towards Depot Beach. Uh, and that hill is the highest climb. It's one of the old, more uh, pre-existing tracks, uh, and the incline change is a bit steep. Or it's it's not. It's certainly not bad, but it's it's certainly the steepest of the whole trail. Well, coming down is better than going up. I can say that. And then, at, likewise, at the end of the trail at Maloney's Beach, there's a, I don't know whether it's the world's longest set of stairs, but apparently. Um, some kids counted and there were 113 steps. Um, as you s- start, if you were going to start south and go north, that would be the very first thing, you know, two steps off the tr- off the main um, paving and you're doing 113 steps up. <laughs> so I did up and then I met, went on, met Tim uh, halfway through the second day and came back and did down. Down's definitely better. But as we said, the choice really is yours. You can do it in either direction. Uh, and yeah, and if you're going to do this trail multiple times, and I think I can see this is, might be one of these trails where Jill and I do it again at some point in the future, it may be worthwhile doing it in a different direction just to see what it's like. Now, the other thing, as I mentioned, is this is very much a choose-your-own-adventure trail. And if you go onto the New South Wales Parks website, there's a number of different options. You can do guided walks. You can do self-guided walks. Uh, you can do glamping if you like, and we, to an extent, did that because we stayed in a a cabin uh, on the Friday night before we started the walk, and then on the Saturday night, uh, which was the Murramurang uh, beachside resort, which means we had air conditioning, showers, uh, TV, and probably the restaurant is probably I'd best describe it as pub food. Uh, good prices, lots of it. Nothing fancy, but certainly very good food. So so we didn't even have to think about pouring hot water into freeze-dried food for dinner. So that was good. But you can do it absolutely any way you choose. So, you know, um, and I think uh, with the on-trail um, recording, I mentioned that Oakey Beach was just a delightful campsite. Um, the, the tent... Platforms are great and just the atmosphere of it is really lovely. So, you know, that's that's a short, shortish walk from South Darras uh, in a way, um, but that would be well worth staying at too, I reckon. I think if you were going to do this trip over, say, four days, you probably would stop at Oakey Beach mm-hmm. after a short start to the day uh, and just cruise along taking a time. Mm-hmm. And I think from my perspective, the first day doing 18 kilometres, I was focused on doing the distance. I was focused on doing the inlet crossing, which we'll talk about in a moment. And 
then on the second day, I thought, okay, I've got 16 kilometres left to do. I'm not rushed. And I just dawdled. And in fact, I ended up taking almost the same amount of time the first day and the second day, just because uh, I was just taking more time, stopping and, and smelling the roses, so to speak. And I must admit, personal preference, I think the southern half of the trail was my favourite, but only just the north half of the trail was just as, as nice as well. Yeah, so, I mean, the bits I did twice I really enjoyed, <laughs> I, which I don't mind. And as I said, I mean, I uh, I think my preference is probably for the southern part of the trail. Um, uh, you know, it's I do like the northern part, but uh, definitely I had a really good feel about the southern part. So if you go along to the Parks New South Wales website, you will see there's some varying prices. And you can, if you take the glamping option where you're staying in cabins every night, it can end up being quite expensive. If you decide to camp and just pitch a tent, uh, it can be relatively cheap. So it's really what sort of experience you want. And certainly from our perspective, we could have very easily stayed at the camping uh, site, pitched a tent, uh, been much cheaper, uh, you know, got out the jet boil, cooked our own food, uh, but we just decided we wanted a, a slightly more upmarket experience on the on the weekend, uh, and that worked well for us. And at a number of points along the way, there's drive-in access as well, so you could actually do this as a series of uh, section hikes where you stay somewhere else completely different. So you get off the trail overnight, someone picks you up if you've got. Uh, friends or family in the local area and you come back um, at another time and do the next section. So there are a lot of different ways you can do it and it can be, you know, quite quite economical or pretty full price depending on what you choose. Now, one of the things that the New South Wales Park Service recommend is downloading their app, which is available for both Android and Apple phones. And in all honesty, you know, it doesn't cost anything. It's a, you know, it's a fairly quick download uh, it can be used offline, so if you don't have phone signal, and in fact, if you don't have phone signal and have your phone switched to flight mode, it actually works a bit quicker because it's working on a downloaded version of the map rather than trying to do it online. I think there are probably about three where you're not going to get lost, but you, I think you'll end up going off trail and joining back up later on. Yeah, and a couple of times, I think mostly for me, it was um, mostly when you were coming uh, onto the beach and off off the beach. Uh, and just wondering, you know, if you can imagine a long beach, there are all sorts of different exit points, which one was the right one for you. And as you say, as Tim said, you won't get lost, um, but it'd be good to use the right one. The app, have, having said that, will tell you exactly which one. So even if you can't see anything, you know, you walk along and there's a a, a, a little change in direction and you go, oh, I guess I'm going off the beach here and you look up and Lo and behold, that's the place. So um, the app is really, really good. Definitely recommend if you use it with location services, um, then it also can spot where you are relative to um, where you're supposed to be. So that's also a good check. Uh, there were a couple of points along the way, not many, where you only had either no signal or 3G one bar. It doesn't doesn't work well, 3G one bar. Two bar was okay. Any more than that, it works really, really well. So, yeah, certainly on the second day, not the first day, the signal wasn't as good, heading, heading from uh, Pretty Beach. The second day, it was very good. Uh, and there was only the odd occasion where uh, I wasn't able to touch base with Jill. 
And usually what I do is say, okay, I'm just about to go on to, I'm heading on to the next beach or the next location. And Jill would sort of text back and say, this is where she is. So we'd worked out on the second day that she was going to meet up with me roughly at about 10.30 in the morning. And pretty much that's when we sort of did join up. So again, the signal was reasonably good. Uh, and yeah, you know, it was, you know, as I said, it was the sort of thing there. If you don't want to have your phone turned on, that's fine. If you just want to use the app, that's also fine. You can put it into flight mode. Uh, and really it's up to you. I mean, overall it's, I was going to say it's pretty hard to get lost, but sometimes it's a matter of working out where you're supposed to be coming on and off the beach, which is what Jill mentioned. Yeah. And I think the other thing Tim mentioned, the, the use of older tracks, you know, in a couple of places you you can tell that you're using a track that's been used a lot before, but that also means there are a number of uh, tracks that are running alongside or crossing or whatever. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that those will start to be overgrown over time. So so you do want to stick to the track, uh, which means using the app I think is is probably the best way to go. Now, in relation to signage, the signage is pretty good. There's a little kangaroo logo or a wallaby. I think it's a kangaroo rather than a wallaby. Um, that It's on a sign post. It'll have a directional sign. It'll say, you know, you're heading towards Depot Beach or you're heading towards North Darras. So the signs are reasonably good in, in almost all cases. There's not a huge amount of interpretation signage. The Northern Trailhead had information. The Southern Trailhead was still missing the large signs when we did this walk at the end of May 2022, but you can tell there's going to be some big signage go up there fairly shortly. But again, this is in most cases where people are going to be finishing off the walk, but you know, there's enough information there. And there's no interpretation signage on the trail. It's not like a lot of tracks that said, you know, this is where what you're seeing out to the ocean or there was whaling occurred here or things like that. It's It really is just more directional arrows. Yeah. Um, it would have been nice to have a few oh, – I was going to say a few more, but just – seats on the on the trail um there are a couple of points in particular along some of the headlands where you know over time people have um used it as a an advantage advantage point and checked out the scenery um so it's they're quite open perfect places um to to put some bench seating um so you can take in the view and you wouldn't have to clear you know very much away uh, to make that happen. So that would be nice to see a um, few more of those just to slow people down and to kind of entice you to take in the environment. Yeah, that's, that's what I found a bit strange. I think probably about a kilometre, kilometre and a half after I started, went off the beach uphill, came across a wooden bench, which I didn't stop at. I'd already, already uh, uh, was, I, was in, I was in the zone and I was going. Uh, and that was the only timber seat that I saw on the entire trail. There were a couple of large sandstone blocks which were being put in those seats. And again, this is one of these things. You either want lots of infrastructure like that or you don't. It depends on the experience. And there's no right or wrong here. Um, but a couple of more seats, as Jill said, just at the, the vantage points where you can sit and take in the ocean would be quite nice. Uh, but the fires have been through there over the last few years. Uh, anything that would have been there would have been damaged or destroyed anyway. So I think the the large sandstone blocks were a good option where they were they were placed. The trail itself is pretty much natural trail tread. Uh, where there are steps, in most cases, they're sawn rough sawn sandstone blocks. There are some old 
timber trail treads or trail steps, which were the older existing trails which haven't been upgraded. Uh, there was some steel mesh every so often, and there were a couple of timber small boardwalk sections. But pretty much the trail is natural. And we I must admit, we had perfect weather on the weekend we did this walk, but you could tell by looking at the trail there were nowhere that was going to get really muddy and sloppy if it was raining. So it was really well-designed trail. The elevation change was fairly mild in most cases. And the other really steep section was as Jill had crossed the inlet, uh, going past Durris, headed up the, the tall hill, uh, and then uh, I'd been coming up from Depot Beach on the other side and met just over the crest of the hill. Uh, but they were all pre-existing, if you like, trails. They weren't new trails that had been purpose-built for this particular walk. So the new sections of trail that have gone in, um, are, the gradient is really mild, so it's not going to bother most people. Uh, and I think you know, the if you split the first section or first day that we did um, into two sections, it would be a very cruisy sort of walk overall. Now, animal life uh, was limited. Uh, on the first day, I had a wallaby that I must have almost trod on because it scattered away very close to me and scared the hell out of me. Um, kangaroos, actually I came across some kangaroos on trail as well as at the, uh, the resort areas and the accommodation areas, which is pretty normal along that part of the coast. Um, and lots of bird life. Uh, so I came across some black cockatoos in one area, um, but there was a lot of other bird life pretty much all the way along. Uh, and again, I'm not a, a real bird fanatic. I like birds, but I don't ask me to tell you what they are. Uh, and yeah, the cockatoos are pretty obvious, but that was about it. Yeah, there was a, a lot of bird call um, that I was noticing. So that was quite pleasant, as, as, as Tim was saying. Now, the other thing I mentioned earlier in this episode was the inlet there at North Durris. Now, it's the potential sticking point, if you like, on this trail. Um, and really, the weather is the thing that's going to impact on that inlet, and it's also going to impact on the trail itself. We had perfect weather conditions, almost dead flat seas, uh, and it was a really nice experience as a result. I've also been along this part of the coastline and seen six-metre waves pounding into the ocean. Uh, and in those sort of conditions, and even conditions if you've got two or three-metre waves, you're probably not going to be able to do this entire walk and you probably wouldn't be able to cross the inlet safely. So it, it's one of these sort of walks where you need reasonable weather conditions because you are walking on rocky headlands. Uh, in fact, you virtually start the walk walking along the beach and then you've got to go around a rock headland. Uh, and there's a few of those where you don't have much of a choice. So the recommendation is to make sure you've got a tired chart, either a paper version you've printed out or on your phone as an app. And one of the things the recommendation is, is not to cross the inlet at high tide. Um, now, the inlet isn't always open to the ocean. Sometimes it's closed. But over the last few months, there's been enough water and rain coming down through the, through the actual creek itself inside that it's busted open to the ocean. So when Jill and I crossed, Jill actually crossed the inlet twice. She crossed it earlier in the morning and then around about midday when I crossed it and that was pretty much at high tide. And there was a difference of roughly about 40, 45 centimetres. Uh, and for me, I'm six foot two, around about 185 centimetres. It was around about waist depth at its deepest. Yeah, so um, when I first crossed, it was probably 
probably thigh deep uh, for me, uh, which you know was fine, was was manageable. The main thing though was that the sand shifts under your feet, so uh, you do need to use your poles. And even when you were using your your trekking poles, um, they the sand would fall away from them. So you know there was a little bit of instability. Um, it was. Uh, as Tim says, not high tide, but tide coming in. Um, so the water was running a little bit fast. Um, and coming back, it was a little bit calmer, but it was much deeper. So um, the, there was a, a moment where, you know, the sand shifted and, and I ended up uh, basically waist deep um, in the water. Now in the uh, online video, which if you go to the website, uh, there's a picture of me crossing. Uh, and, and a, a video? Uh, sorry, a, a video of me crossing. And um, you'll, you'll, if you pay close attention, it looks like I stumbled at one point and it's not me stumbling, it's the sand is giving away. Yeah, that's uh, right. And it was almost like a, you know, I sunk an extra 30 centimetres into sand. Yeah. Um, but that's just the way it is. So, again, if it's on a really high tide or really rough seas pounding into the, into the, uh, in from the ocean, uh, potentially you might have to try and cross further up. Uh, or you may have to uh, wait until the next day and cross at low tide. Um, or they do say you can make a phone call and see if you can get one of the locals to come, come and take you across. Yeah, so there is, there is actually a service that will actually canoe you across. So if you if you're worried about that, uh, you can call, you can contact the parts service, and I'll try and put that information on the website uh, uh, just to uh, uh, allow you to have that option if you so wish. As I mentioned, we had spectacular weather on this walk, and, and I really do love this section of the coastline. Uh, it's got lovely eucalypt forests. It's got lots of banksias and casuarinas. You're walking on the beach and you're walking off the beach. You're walking on headland and getting views. Um, it really is a spectacular walk, and so much so we're due to re- revisit our top ten walks. And this is one of those walks that will actually get, make that list. It was it was such a lovely walk. Uh, I think the New South Wales Park Service have, have done a really good job on this. Yeah, I agree with that one. And I think the other thing for me is that um, even even at different times of the day, you're walking through different vegetation. It it does change. It you know, thirty four kilometres is relatively short in uh, that sense, but the vegetation changes and the kind of feel and the sounds change um, along the way, um, which, you know, means that over two days probably changed half a dozen times at least. And that that's a good thing to keep your interest, but also it, it, it does mean that it's a nice walk for lots of different people to do. And I think it's one of those sort of things, depending on the time of the year you do this walk, if you do it during the hotter months, uh, you know, say from October through to probably April, um, when the water temperatures is reasonably good, it would be so easy just to stop at one of the many beaches along the way. And again, you need to pick it here. You need to make sure you're picking a safe beach. And there's there's a lot of those where these little little inlets where you can just go and sit in the water or sit on the beach and have a have your lunch and have a relax. Or if you're so inclined, you can bring a, a small fishing line or a fishing rod and fish as you go. Uh, so it's it's there are so many options to how relaxed and, and cruisy you take this walk or how quickly you want it to do it. Um, really, as we say, just work work out what's going to 
be best for you and uh, make sure you enjoy it. We did actually come across on both days runners on the trail and whether they were doing the whole trail or just sections of it. Um, but certainly, you know, people would be very easy to get dropped off at Murramurang and, and run 16 kilometres back to Batemans Bay or back to Maloney's Beach. Uh, so, you know, it, if you're a keen trail runner, these are really good trails for going through and, and doing uh, uh, and, and using for that purpose. Okay, now, with any walk, there are always some negatives. Uh, and in this case here, for me, the main negative is the ticks. Now, didn't get any ticks on this one, but every tick I have ever had, I've got from this part of the coastline. <laughs> uh, all you have to do is go and sit on a piece of what looks like a, a nice flat grassy area and you will pick up some ticks at the right time of the year. Uh, so uh, I think long pants, uh, longish socks, uh, some lycra gaiters and long sleeve top uh, is definitely a must, uh, particularly during the warmer, hotter months of the year when it's been raining. And I believe also that if, if it has been raining heavily, you're also likely to pick up leeches. But more so if you're going off trail. If you stay to the trail and don't go wandering through the bush, uh, shouldn't be too much of an issue. The other issue is um, when we'd crossed the inlet, we sat on the beach and had lunch and let ourselves dry off. The sand is really, really fine and it didn't matter how much you tried to towel your feet off. You, you know, it was almost impossible to get rid of the sand off you yeah, and sand off the clothing as well. So uh, that's just the type of sanding it, sand it is. And you know, the sand certainly varied along the coastline. We had yellow sand, we had whitish coloured sand, we had grey, almost rocky sort of sand, uh, and some was a bit firmer than others. So that was a, a potentially an issue. Yeah, if it had been really blowing a gale, you're likely to end up getting blasted with sand on some of those longer beach walks. Yeah, so, and it, it really did surprise me and, you know, I spent a lot of time on that part of the coast. I hadn't noticed the variation in the sand as much and as Tim was saying, um, it, it's it's almost impossible unless you've got, you know, a bucket of warm soapy water <laughs> to get the sand off your feet so that you can put your socks back on and walk along. I guess uh, if the weather's good, you just walk along without your socks and your shoes. But yeah, we opted to to put them back on and really spent a lot of time uh, and made absolutely no progress <laughs> to get the sand off our feet. It's funny you should mention that as coming off one of the beaches, I came up onto uh, almost the, the, the parking area before it cut back into the bush again. And I came across a, um, a couple of surfers. One of them was standing in a bucket of soapy water. Uh, <laughs> and it was, was soapy water to get the sand off them. So, yeah, they'd obviously know this area very well uh, and they'd catered for it. Oh, how funny. <laughs> okay, so overall, we really did love this walk. It is an excellent walk and I think it'll do really well. There were other hikers that we came across on trail and depending on how early in the day you started, uh, there could have been a lot more people that we just didn't come across. You know, I was pretty much out, out the door quarter to eight and walking on each day, whereas I think other people, you know, were, were realising they didn't need as much time. Uh, they were starting a bit later and either finishing before me or finishing after me uh, because on the you know, the first day we we were back in camp by two thirty, uh, on the second day we'd finish the walk around about by one thirty. Uh, so it's um, it's the sort of thing that um, uh, it's a lot easier uh, when you don't have to sort of push to get into camp. So you can you can afford to sleep in a bit and take things a bit a bit slower if you want to. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, coming the other way, I did get to see who was uh, heading in the direction Tim was heading and and there weren't a lot of people. Um, uh, I I guess this is the time of the year that uh, means there are less people on the trail. It was actually a perfect time of the year. Um, In summer, it would be heaps busy. I think you'd find lots of day day trippers, uh, much more than we had. Um, and also on some parts of the trail, you, you, you're close to um, camping areas that have four-wheel drive access or vehicle access, and so you can sometimes hear vehicles. So in summer, uh, I would imagine there'd be a lot more vehicle noise in the background um, that you might experience as well. And I think in all honesty, you know, when we the weekend we did this walk, which is the weekend just gone, the trail had only been open officially for a month. So, you know, people are still discovering this trail. Uh, and I think once they do discover it, it will become very busy because it is such a good trail. Yep, I agree with that. Okay, we hope you've enjoyed this episode on the Murramurang South Coast Walk, uh, just north of Batemans Bay in southern New South Wales. That's all for this episode. Bye for now. And bye from me.